Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Stag Roar. This episode is brought to you by our mates at Modern Pirate, 100% carbon neutral. Modern Pirate makes an amazing range of men's grooming products. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, then you've probably seen them in your quality barber shop. I've used the pomade in their matte clay paste to style what hair I have left. And their charcoal soap is the business. You can get 10% off every order by simply entering the code STAGROAR at checkout. That's lowercase S-T-A-G-R-O-A-R. Look good and support yet another quality Kiwi export that the Aussies are sure to claim as their own. Check them out at modernpirate.com.au. That code again is STAGROAR. Kia ora and welcome to episode 159 of the STAGROAR podcast. This episode I'm joined by Morgan Penn, aka the trainee sexologist, soon to be, well she is, but in the next uh, season two of the podcast, the trained sexologist. (laughs) Um, She does that podcast with Sharon Casey and they have a broad discussion around all things sexuality. Uh, I know what you're thinking, you didn't come here for sexuality, well I'd encourage you to stick in and um, have a really good listen to this chat because it was bloody awesome. Um, obviously, I was packing myself at the start. Uh, I admit that, you know, openly. And uh, by the end, I felt bloody good. It was an awesome conversation to have. Um, sort of shake the taboo, shake the shackles, and um, yeah, dive into what's uh, a great part of being a human. Um, Morgan's just done 12 days of pleasure, and I think that's a... a a good place to come from, um, having a pleasurable experience. So without further ado, here's episode 159 of The Stagger. I hope you enjoy it. I would love to hear your feedback on this one because it's something a little bit different. And I'm sure if you've heard this conversation, Morgan would love to hear from you that you listen to her talk to us on The Stagger. So yeah, slide into to her DMs, but please be uh, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> no funny business. Good on you. Enjoy. Kia ora, everybody. Um, my last episode, Tim Gaverman left me with uh, living at the EG comfort zone. And right now I'm paddling well out in the ether, trying to get my chin above water because I'm sitting down here with Morgan Penn. And those that don't know yet, um, she was the trainee sexologist. Now you're a sexologist, mate. Um, yeah, we're certified. <laughs> so that's probably quickly turning some people off. So let's bring them back in because we want to turn them on. Um, <laughs> um, the other thing Tim said is know your audience. And um, my audience is 80% male. I think Instagram is basically that too. So why do you think a conversation with a sexologist would be appealing to some males? Like it's pretty obvious, but let's hear your opinion. <laughs> Well, Ryan, I think there'd be multiple reasons. Um, And I guess a lot of the men that reach out to me for help are looking for libido help and um, erectile dysfunction and unhealthy porn habits. Mm. So, I mean, everybody wants better sex, right? We want to feel good in our bodies. We want to feel confident. And we want to be making sure that the sex that we're having either with ourselves or with other people is spicy and lovely and delicious. And so, yeah, I can help support that. Marvellous. So 
already I'm having a uh, sympathetic nervous system reaction. And it's just from, I think, vocalizing the word sex and, and, and you know, potentially going to be talking for an hour about it. Um, what do you, you know, it's pretty, pretty obvious with, with New Zealand as a country, a colonialist country, that we're pretty um, top button done up, you know, we've all been through schools with uniforms. What do you think it is about just saying the word sex that straight away gets this um, somatic reaction? And it's quite fascinating sitting, I mean, I'm just sitting here in a cupboard and, and talking to you across Zoom, but my heart rate's going through the roof. <laughs> you're upregulated. If you were yeah. my client, I would say like, how do you want to use that? How do you want to move that through your body? You know, how do we harness this energy? Cause it's kind of juicy, right? It's like, mm. Oh, what, what is that feeling in my body? Um, we need to be downregulated to really feel into our bodies and to get arousal, but then we use upregulation to like build mm-hmm. that arousal and to let things simmer into like a peak, I guess. But, um, Anyways, I, I digress. But do you want me to downregulate you, or are you happy to stay there upregulated? <laughs> no, I'm sure this is um, very similar to exposure technique. And, and the more I breathe, and the more we talk and and relate, that the um, the more I'll calm down. Um, so, for those, and I'm included here, what is a sexologist? Um, okay, I, maybe the easiest way to explain it is I'm kind of like what a nutritionist is to food. Wow, I've studied. Yeah the food, which would be sex, uh, all the behaviors around it, all the chemicals, all the things that happen to the body during it, and how to maximize it really, how to have the best sex, and how to navigate all these different bits that get thrown at us from our conditioning, you know, really young as children, and then we find ourselves as adults, not necessarily having the right education, and knowing what to do with ourselves or with partners. I think that right there is pretty massive. Um, you know, you, with access to the internet and, and, you know, we're talking across the internet, um, you know, and even, even when I look at myself sort of growing up with, uh, you know, this will age me or not, uh, MSN and then texting and then Facebook and now Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and all, you know, I've been at the infancy of all those things and I, and I was hearing something today talking about how technology is everything that happens after birth what you're what you're born into the world is is just part of your life and that's part of your framework so for you and I we've evolved with the technology but now there's this cohort of people that the technology is their life and so you're hearing stories of you mentioned porn addiction you're hearing stories of eight-year-old boys having access to porn and what that's meaning um is that sort of, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what are sort of some of the drivers that got you started at looking into this profession and, and way of life? Um, you started out in radio, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd only ever really done uh, radio. And so I'd had 15 years in that industry. And I loved it because I was allowed to have full expression of myself in in this creative industry and that's really important to me i've always liked to show up authentically and i have always been a little bit wild and within that freedom um i i could see a lot there was kind of the sexual energy in that industry and i've seen it throughout the media realms Mm. and i just i saw a lot of unhealthy sexuality going on as well really leaky sexual energy and then 
I guess I was just, I've just always been curious about sex. I, I, I've, I, I think I touched myself quite young, you know, I was always very curious about my own body and then growing up to find that it was a taboo thing out in the world. Um, I guess like shocking people, I enjoy shocking people about it, asking people about their sex life and sharing things about mine that quite a few people were like, oh, who the hang is this gal? But to me, it was all about normalizing these conversations. And anybody that I ever did have a conversation with just loved it. And they just hadn't really had the opportunity or a safe container to talk about it and explore things. So I guess I just wanted more and more of that. And then when I learned about things like that there were people that were sex therapists and sexologists, I was like, that that's me. Like I have to do it. And I feel like as a woman with my own sexual journey, I feel like I allowed a lot from men. Um, things that I necessarily didn't really want, or I didn't know how to put my pleasure first or ask for what I really wanted. And I guess I got even curiouser about that. Like, why is that? I'm a pretty strong, hearty woman in the world. Why am I not getting what I want? I sure did a hell was in my radio career. You know, why was I not asking for it in the bedroom? or in the kitchen, or in the laundry, <laughs> you know what I mean, and so yeah, through that um, line of inquiry, I was like, this is, this is where I want to support people to get what they want, to, to learn what turns them on, how to have more pleasure, and yeah, I don't know, just, I don't know, everything just, it just happened, I said yes to it, and mm. now here I, here I am, I've done the podcast, and I'm in love with my new career. Awesome. So there's not many jobs out there that um, you sort of, you know, take a right turn and then go, right, I'm going to go do this. And it, what, what were some of the reactions? <laughs> My mum thought I was joining a sex cult. Awesome. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was an interesting one. And then I would like go around to her house on a Sunday afternoon and she'd do girlfriends over and they'd be having gins and they'd be like, oh, how's it going learning how to be a sex worker? I was like, yeah, look, I'm not, <laughs> you know, mom didn't know how to explain it to her friends. Um, and some people were like, oh, yes, of course you're going to do that, of course. Um, and it's, it's been great because actually like the transition out of radio has really helped because it's also given me a platform to do the podcast, which allows me to speak openly and freely about sex. And then because nobody really is flying the sex positive flag in New Zealand too much, the media has kind of, you know, taken to me and uses me for, for little segments, um, on the news and when there's stories to cover. So yeah, it was, it was sort of just like meant to be. All the radio and all the connections I've made over the years, it's all sort of fitted in. So there's, you know, I think my dad was a bit shocked, but, you know, who cares? Yeah, yeah um, I always remember, I think it was like ages, early days back, you know, they'd have sort of their countdowns at night time and then they'd get on doctors and things. And I think George, George as well, they, they'd get a the, get the doctor and every now and again and they ask some types of questions. But... Then, you know, the age of podcasting, being able to sit down with Sharon and, and get questions and get thoughts and talk through what you learned. Um, what's sort of been the response like that in a radio sphere, but outside of the, the broadcast? Yeah, it's been a, a mixed bag, but all positive. 
And I think because I was learning and sharing as I went, it's not like I just turned up like, hey, I'm a sexologist. This is how I'm going to tell you to have good sex. <laughs> you know, I literally had these weird assignments every week, like the one where I had to, you know, explore my own bum hole. <laughs> and so I shared that, you know, with everybody, how I did that to myself for the first time and how shocking that was. Um, it kind of gave people, other people permission to explore themselves mm. as well. And then they felt like I was a safe person to share with. So you just would not believe the, <laughs> the things I've heard um, with people sharing, which is, you know, that's sacred information. And, and I feel really honored that people would share and be learning and improving. And yeah, I, I love it. I love the feedback from people. Some people that have never had clear communication with a partner about what they like they've you know mustered up the courage to ask for something or try something new um yeah like like one person who followed the whole journey and would give me a message after every episode has then become a client once I certified and I ended up coaching her um her and her partner who've been together for over 10 years into a foursome uh that's you know, what she wanted to explore. And so she was on my journey of learning and then I've been on her journey of, you know, progressing her sexual life. That's amazing. And um, yeah, you, you said about the, the bumhole stuff. Uh, I, <laughs> I got introduced to your podcast um, shortly after I had Jay on, Jay Reeve on the podcast. And, and a friend of mine said, oh, you know, that was great podcast you did have a listen to this one with with jay and and sure, sure enough what a what an absolute cracker um how good was it to have two blokes on there and just you know you, you didn't hold any bars back it was it was all go especially with jay you know, that guy could talk it <laughs> absolutely and i think it's just so refreshing for men to hear other men speak openly especially around butt stuff because i think there is this little bit of mentality around all oh, that's gay or there's negative or that's gross or oh, we don't talk about that but it's like that is such a huge pleasure center that you know I really would I would urge any like prostate owner to get in there and have a good you know a good time a good feel around and see what feels good because if you don't what did what did Jay say it's like if you're not exploring it you're only flying at half mast yeah you know it's, it's pretty great pretty crack up and like and i know i know for myself like my for, for a long time there i've as you said you get to your, your 20s or wherever it is and you sort of feel lost at a time and you kind of feel like well what is it about this thing am i even attracted to this thing what is it that i'm doing and um it wasn't even until this year that i sort of figured out my i guess it was almost over overcompensation like dating and 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 I guess trying to search out sex for connection and that sort of stuff. And um, parallel parallel person, you know, similar age over in the states, and he was saying about how his interaction with men was always tarnished by the fact that he didn't want to come across too emotional because it'd be gay. And I was like, oh, uh -huh. and I was like, that was similar but not the same for me. Um, growing up in Invercargill guys that you know third form thought they were my friends and then all of a sudden they just started calling me gay instead of using my name and so that created this whole overcompensation thing around you know females liking girls or having girlfriends you know 
trying, you know, as a teenager, when, when you have sex and, and all the things you're exposed to, as, as I said, social medias and, and uh, you know, movies like uh, American Pie come to mind and Road Trip and that sort of stuff. And you sort of are in this loss navigating it on your own. Now to have, you know, a platform like Training Sexologist and I don't know what you guys are calling the next season, but, um, you know, to have a platform out there that's, you know, sexually educa educational um, and you can just listen into your ears is why I think this topic and talking to you is hugely important because now being a father and having a daughter, it's kind of like, wow, how, where, where do we navigate this now? And we're so lucky that we've got access to so much information. Yeah, see, that's really like interesting to hear. And I guess it, you wouldn't have had much awareness around what you were doing, or did yeah, you think? Yeah, none at all. Mean? Like I said, it was kind of like the, the start of the year or end of last year. Though, started I heard this person say, it and I was like, oh, it, it was like an unraveling of, of, I guess, uh, reasons behind behaviours. <laughs> yeah. And do you think that that would be for like the average like Kiwi block? That would be quite a normal thing. Oh shit, yeah. And um, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel quite proud that um, in the last couple of weeks, I've had a had a new friend come to me and say that they they're thinking that they're bisexual, and it's kind of like, well, you know, one great that that person now lives in an environment where that's comfortable to tell a new friend who's a guy that they think they're bisexual. And two, me being a bloke from Invercargill that, you know, played rugby for a while, uh, goes hunting and things, I'm approachable and obviously confiding and confident enough to accept that information. And I was just like, man, that's a big, big way since a 13-year-old me. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's beautiful that you're a safe place for him. What I'm really curious, like, what do you think that our young men need most support in around sexuality and beliefs or that whole sort of sexual realm? Yeah, I guess, um, I mean, like we've had you know, plenty of conversations back and forth. And I think a big part of my maturity with that or lack of was to do with the, the shame in growing up as, as Catholic, like shame around sexuality. And then on the flip side, like you say, it's it's arousal, it's pleasurable, it's great feelings, and feeling guilt and shame about this thing that's sort of natural. And I, and I guess it, it, it must, it, it would probably be someone saying it's okay, and they are, and removing feelings and emotions and breaking those things down. Because I think it it also ties into our emotional, um, what's EQ intelligence in, in this country as males and. And it, it's it's really really broad. I think it, it's spanning across the mental health aspect, it's spanning across the addiction aspects, and then it's spanning across what would you call it? Um, sexual leaks. <laughs> Leaky sexual, yeah, Leaky, totally. yeah. Yeah. So I'd I'd love to hear from the other side of the fence what you sort of see is, you know, something that our children what you think might need. Yeah, I think our, our rangatahi, our children need a lot of education around their own bodies and the opposite sex bodies 
and pleasure, how to give ourselves pleasure, we're not really taught about that. So I always think about those youth who've got all these hormones running through their bodies, right? And they don't know what to do with it. And they think that, well, I mean, they go looking externally because they're not taught how to really enjoy their own bodies and that 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 pleasure and that form is is not shameful and they shouldn't feel guilty about exploring their bodies but in most households you know touching yourself as a child is that's bad that's naughty don't do it parents don't know really how to handle it and so it's it from that that conditioning is so damaging that then that gets brought right through into this this age of exploration as a teenager and then yeah, they do. They, they look to things like porn if they're not getting their, the right education. And then that porn is normally telling us all sorts of bad stuff, like how to, you know, if it's um, cis-hetero porn, then it's, you know, normally quite destructive and violent towards women. And we've normally anal through that and for young people that is actually an issue I've heard of a friend who's a teacher they had to have mm. a, a meeting um, with the, the, the board uh, the community board with the school with the local police because this whole group of sort of 12 and 13 year olds were all having anal sex and young women were having to go into the hospital for stitches. Um, there was just such a rise in it that it was an issue in their community that they had to all deal with, you know, and it had come from porn. So it really is an education. There's just such a lack in this country because, I mean, you mentioned the Catholic faith before. It depends what, what school you're at as to what kind of an education you're going to get because the mandatory curriculum is so small it's literally mainly about birth control mm. you know they never go into pleasure and they put the fear of life into kids that the worst thing that can happen is you know stis or a pregnancy and it's you know what about we never get taught about aftercare about looking after the person once you've had sex with them you know, of any kind of sex, you know, it's sort of this dine and dash kind of thing these days. Yeah. That's, so that's, big, so big. That, that is, you know, looking back at, at that exploration, there's such a void of like getting to the act and, and especially as a teenager, it was often a rush and in, 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 in the urgency type of way, not in the, like, this is exciting type of way. Um, and then, um, yeah, afterward, what, what a void that's left. And, the, 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 you know, but like emotions, the vocabulary and the, and the intelligence to know what's the next step because that's not, not, being, not being taught. And, and this is another thing we talked about the other day. The, we need gigantic empathy um, to those that have come before us because imagine where their starting point is from. Like, you know, you think about the Catholic faith, like, shit, you're going to help. <laughs> Totally. I'm, I'm, you know, I look at my mum's generation, you know, and she did think I was joining a sex cult, but she was also very open to everything, you know, and she has learned so much because she didn't get taught anything like this. And she hasn't, you know, she doesn't listen to podcasts or anything like that, sort of of that, you know, the old boomer generation that, that, that's slow on these things. But, um, you know, she's been getting the mirror out and checking out her own, her own genitals and, and learning and learning about consent and looking back on her life at all these, these, these 
times where she wished she had a clearer boundary or could, you know, her boundaries have been violated, but because the education wasn't there properly about consent back in the day, you know, it just wasn't a thing. So you're right, the generations and, and having empathy for what's gone before and what their knowledge base is, and that's why it is our job. You know, if we know better, we do better and we educate and we can lead by example, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess um, with that empathy for others, there's probably a lot of empathy and ex- I don't know about acceptance, but I, know, I guess that means that you can say that the situation happened and and move forward and learn from it. But um, yeah, to, to not, again, not feel shame for a lot of the sort of, mistakes that you made because you know when you don't have any education around something you're going to make mistakes absolutely and like we're we're humans like we are these cute little humans we don't know how to do life you know we're all just like trying our best but we want to relate and we want to we've got this hunger to touch people you know like how how cute are we that we've found like the lips like this is our place to connect you know it's it's we're so gorgeous and you're right we have to have this compassion and and love for ourselves and our curiosity and our explorations and yes we never we're not always going to get it right and but you know if we're always searching to do things better and, and learn new things i think that's that's where the magic lies and i think that's why there will be a rise in professions like mine because people are now searching for better ways to do things and to improve and i think this is this is a place where people haven't really gone to improve before or to seek help for a lot of things they've just put up with a lot Mm. and it's time you know people are wanting wanting more and wanting better lives so yeah Yeah. now that that's really cool now probably you know i had um elizabeth grace on on here before and and a lot of people were sort of going run like you know what we where's your grounding in this type stuff and and those that don't know um before i got into optometry and optometry is a lot about um autonomic nervous system which is very much connected to our sexuality and prior to that i needed to do a bsc to get in because i didn't get in straight away and so i did anatomy at otago university and in the two things that i sort of honed in on was reproduction and neurobiology and so I you know often talk about how I see the world from the autonomic nervous system and it comes in very handy with optometry but then it also allows me to see my patient and often you'll see that comorbidity of a reproductive um, disease or disorder how how much of sort of reproduction out do you see the world Wow. I mean, okay, my brain just went to a crazy place there because I, I know, I know the level that you're asking, but where I went was because I'm a visionary. I like I see vulvas. <laughs> I I see them in coffee beans and um, yeah. in clouds and in flowers <clears throat> and um, yeah, my world is all about all about that. Um, but I wait, hang on. I've got a question for you now about the autonomic nervous system. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Okay. So when you were learning about it, did you learn about like with hand, cause I'm a somatic sexologist, so I am allowed to work hands on with touching the body. So did you learn 
about the only two ways of actually touching the autonomic nervous system. Are you talking about um, breath work and orgasm? Like how orgasm? No, I'm talking about how like you can physically, how how can you touch it? No, then, no. So you can go up the butt (laughs) (laughs) or you can go down this way, which is like way harder, right? So you've got to get it, you've got to get to the soft muscle. Right. Yes, I see. So, so yeah, so you and I, we've talked about breath work. I know that's really big for you and is also big in my work for that very reason. But the quickest way to like touch and like alter the autonomic nervous system is through up the bum hole. And um, you can do it with a finger or a vibrating butt plug will absolutely down-regulate the whole system. You will be in like a state of bliss. Right. So are you able to go into the weeds of why smooth muscle is so like touching the autonomic nervous system? Well, I mean, I think it's because like that that's our controller, right? Of all the other things we can't control in our body. Um, <laughs> I've just had a thought. What? <laughs> literally shit yourself is about, <laughs> about loss of control. <laughs> or vomit, you know, same thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> totally. totally. I, I mean, I guess it's just like with stress, right? With cortisol and all that kind of stuff, it's, you know, it, the stress can, oh my God, I can see you're still thinking about that. Um, oh, that, that topic comes up all the time. <laughs> Does it? Often, yeah. Joe Rogan thinks he's got, got a... Um, Got the real estate on shooting yourself, but uh, we've we've talked about it's usually medically testing your poo. Um, people people like Art Green and Luke Taylor and you know, Ben Warren they're they're all into testing the poo. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think we might have to talk about this offline. <laughs> <laughs> we could just go listen back. You know. <laughs> There's so many questions. Um. Yeah, I guess like the biggest thing for our bodies in this day and age is about getting down-regulated and to help with de-stressing. And so um, Jack Morin, this um, amazing sexologist um, man who works a lot with anal health, he reckons that if you put a finger in your bum every day and give yourself like a little massage, you're hitting the autonomic nervous system and you are totally de-stressing and you'll have such a better health because you know like you know the saying like people are oh you he's so anally retentive Uh, it literally comes from this like oh he's a tight ass like there are negative contexts to being all tight in there to actually like sometimes i teach um clients to anally breathe and they use that sphincter like they would their mouth Uh and it helps with all the pelvic floor muscles and to actually relax because we're just so tense in that area. And, you know, cause that's conditioning from childhood as well. You know, even like as a kid, like trying to put your hands down there and your mum's going, Oh, get your hand. That's dirty. That's gross. Yuck, yuck, yuck. You know, we hear all these messages. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Don't, don't go there, you know, but it's the, actually a beautiful tool to, to relaxation. Yeah, and and so your mum thought you were joining a sex sex cult, and those that that, that have watched um, Wild Wild Country, Osho, um, that was basically a sex cult. But one of the like key sort of breath again techniques of that is 
sort of if you're male breathing into your balls but it's it's really about like into your i don't know what you'd call it taint or or perineum or whatever into that sort of you know that area and sort of really making that breath and, and again it's like releasing and relaxing and it's funny you're saying about tight ass like it's um ultra running there's definitely times when you start to tighten up and then you don't feel good you're not very efficient and it's just like i've got to get to the dunny <laughs> yes exactly and um yeah and underneath that perineum so the perennial sponge underneath there it like sometimes if you push on it externally it can feel really hard almost like a rock but it shouldn't feel like that it doesn't it shouldn't be that tight so but it's mainly because we don't have the awareness of like the breath and relaxing fully down there. But if you, like the Chinese used to call that the million dollar spot <laughs> because directly, directly up from there is where the, the G spot for a man is. That's where his prostate is. So say if you, you can actually like put your fist there, right? On the perineum and vibrate and that will have a direct hit up to the prostate. And so that's the million dollar spot because you're not having to actually go internal or anything like that. But yeah, the perineum is a, is a, is yeah, it's kind of underrated. I think <laughs> the little, it's a good little nice piece of smooth skin. So obviously there's probably a lot of people clenching that area right now as they're listening to this. Um, and, and you brought up uh, Chinese, um, I guess, medicine and, um, you know, re reflexology, there must be some other trigger points out there that can help relax that area, right? Is that, is that correct? Where, where do people go, you know, um, again, feet have sort of been fetishized and, and made taboo, but if you, you know, if you're in Bali, I'd recommend you get a foot um, reflexology massage. Like, um, where are some spots that people can relax their, uh, their smooth muscle with? reflexology oh, no. <laughs> I don't know about that but I mean I guess I know well I I had to learn how to do soft cock massage which I think is interesting and Taoist massage which is Taoist erotic massage which is all in line with uh, the Chinese medicine um, but it's all about the blood flow, right? And the chi. And a mm. lot of people have got stagnant energy in their pelvic bowl. So, and, the, and we're quite stiff, you know, and that's kind of the first place to go is that, that lower back, the sacrum, the hips. Um, so, you know, a little tip that I quite often get my clients to do is every morning when they're brushing their teeth is to write their name with their hips. Mm. And it's just, one way of like getting the blood flow down there and the awareness of your genitals and that space. Um, yeah. I mean, soft cock massage is an interesting one for men because I reckon that society tells men that they need to be rock hard for pleasure. And I think if it's a, it's a woman and a man relationship, women sometimes think if there's not a hard cop, he's not into me and what am I doing wrong? Instead of appreciating that a soft cock has still got a lot of power and can still have a lot of pleasure and still deserves to be touched and explored and can be a part of the whole process. 
you know, especially if we're not having these wham, bam, thank you, ma'am moments, like it's part of a full picture, then a soft cock, you know, should be welcomed in those areas. We can't expect blood, the blood flow to keep a cock up for hours, you know? Do you think what do you little, think about that? I was going to say, do you think there's a little bit of irony to this that, you know, um, in terms of the, the vulva and, and female ejaculation, you know, you could be at it for 40 minutes, yet if, you know, and, and I guess it's it's probably our own worst enemy that it's a very obvious offer on um, sort of visual and, and um, uh, somatic response, you know, it's, it's harder it's not. But, you know, if you're wanting to bide the time and, and, and sort of get that peak pleasure, surely... This is something to sort of explore and enhance and get the blood flowing and you know work, work on your own area is would, would i don't know i'm not a sexologist but it's just where, where, where i'm thinking yeah totally i guess um so the period of like speculation um for man like he goes into this refraction so he actually does need recovery time mm. you know whereas a, a vulva owner they they don't they they can just keep going and they can they're a receptacle they can still receive they can still um there's so many more options so if we actually brought education in around soft cock as well that that would really help with that whole journey so it isn't about just the the erection you know it's a it's a big piece but i mean women no none of my friends we've never talked about it when i you know in my wine coffee group we when i told them that week that i was learning soft cock massage they were like "Ooh, why you know well, why are you doing that like they're so gross and floppy and i was like what no they're amazing you know and then i proceeded to get a uh, banana and, and teach them some things but um you know, it's just not taught about. We, we're just taught that a hard cop is what we want and that's that's mean sex and we're on, you know? Yeah, so we, where's, the, where's the root of it? Does it... <laughs> Words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, what, what's, what was sort of the educational process um, being taught to you of, okay, so, you know, there's, there's, another, there's another way around this. This is, this is still an effective intimacy moment um here's why basically is what i'm asking um yeah well i mean you sort of nailed it a little bit with the intimacy because it is quite intimate i think for a man uh, you know he's sort of in a vulnerable state when he's soft and to still be um i, I guess like worshipped or held with reverence in that in that time is that i think the whole conditioning right it's about unraveling the patriarchy almost in, in these kind of moments because we're doing things differently to what we've been taught you never see a flaccid cock in porn so the reason we do it is to show that the body in all states still deserves pleasure mm. and and working with what we've got i suppose as well because a lot of people and especially as as penis holders age um they will find that they have got a soft cock more often and how do we still find pleasure in that Mm. And, you know, it's not not just pornography. It's it's pharmaceuticals now. You know, there's a there's a drug to to switch it on. And funnily enough, that's um, you know getting down to young people using using stimulants. <laughs> yes, 
yes, that's a, that's a concern. I think because a lot of my work is about getting people more embodied and to feel more, but these stimulants and drugs are all kind of numbing out the body as well. So it's kind of having the opposite effect of really feeling into the pleasures and the sensations in the body. Mm. Mm, kind of worries me. Yeah. And, and feel, feel free to say you don't have an opinion on this from, from the female perspective with like, um, birth control uh, and sort of the male's responsibility. And I guess it, you know, when when you listen to some sort of feminist, they often talk about that birth control was empowering. And then there's another um, avenue of feminists that say no, it was reinforcing, you know, the the patriarchy of it. And you know, that's going going to quite a deep level. But when and again, it's a sort of an intimate moment that if as partners you can be in touch with the cycle and Obviously, that comes with its risks, but and the flow and the energies of the cycle, well, then you know you should have a better sex life, and two, hopefully, this is my opinion, hormonally the woman is more um, aligned, and there's even studies out there that their attraction is different on birth control than off birth control, and so as a partnership if you're married and and so forth and then looking to family, if you're then all of a sudden going off birth control, then you might not like each other for a period of time. So, um, and, and as I said, feel free not to comment, but we, where do you sort of stand on, on those sort of things? I guess I am pro-choice about yeah. anything that anybody wants to do with their body. Um, but I really, really support women learning about their their own bodies and their own cycles because I think there's a lack of education around that as well. They just get the, the fear put up them so much about pregnancy. They're told that they're, they could be get pregnant anytime throughout the cycle. And that's you know, you just can't you can't have sex any day without a condom. And it's like, well, um, you know, there's really only a three to five day window where you are actually open to get to getting pregnant i mean you can technically get pregnant at any time yes but the likelihood is like two percent or five percent or you know it's so slim and when women are on hormonal birth control they're not having their full cycle so they are out of whack they're not fully embodied they're not um you know like on a even deeper sort of spiritual sense you know we're so connected into the moon mm. and you know, and so are the tides, you know, and so is our, our menstrual flow. And so it is about honoring our body in, and in that place. And I think it's incredible what you said about that study, you know, because we've got fake hormones. So our pheromones smell differently. So yes, we do attract different partners. Say if we were on birth control, when we met somebody, because we smell different you know it's just it's it's crazy and then people come off birth control to have children and then all of a sudden they're not they're not into them anymore and it, i i've seen it i've seen it with friends and i've seen it with clients and it's quite a scary thing so i think it's about responsibility about learning about your sexual response cycle about your hormonal cycle I mean, it's, it's multi-layered, right? And and I do believe if you're having partnered sex with a man and a woman, that it is both people's responsibility about if you don't want to get pregnant, you know, about what you do. So I like that you sort of 
reinforced that message as well. Yeah, and of, and of course, as I said, there is a risk, and like you said, it is possible. So, you know, we're we're not we're not uh, removing the the safe sex message either. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, no, you, you don't want, don't want to end up there. Um, and I don't know. I guess let's let's dive into something that's coming up in the election and and what what that means for the world. Um, you threw out a stat to me, one in four women may have, you know, and, and this is unsure, but may have experienced an abortion and that means partners as well. And um, I'm sure plenty of men are part of that, you'd, you'd imagine. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, th I hadn't thought about it until we just had that conversation um, yesterday. And it's like, is there's a massive need now for the psychology and and the sexual ramifications around that. Um, did you ever think of that as a capacity when you're entering the role of sexologist that, um, you know, I'm going to have to deal with someone re-establishing their sexual drive, their sexual meaning, and potentially bringing new lives into the world when in the past they chose for whatever their life position was to not have a child? No, I guess I didn't really. I knew the scope was so big that it could be anything. But um, I just think that women really need support in these areas because they have been slut-shamed and made to feel guilty around sexual choices for so long. And I think the thing is that if it was something that happened to men, if it was a man that got pregnant, that just wouldn't be the case, you know, and there would be so much support and... And, and stuff there so I guess I've, I've just gone I was sharing with you you know that I've gone and done this abortion support training um, there overseas there's um, death doulas which you know there's birth doulas that support women they're like a midwife kind of mm -hmm. they're oh, a doula. yeah I understand yeah yep. <laughs> um, and so they're, they're death doulas so they come in and they support they become the advocate for this woman that's going to have an abortion because sometimes they don't, I mean, we've had that law reform in New Zealand recently, which is great. Um, but before that, you know, you had to have two medical, you know, people sign off that you were fit of mind and, and were okay to have this abortion. And um, it's just another way of controlling women's bodies. And so that also comes through a lack of um, education and women don't know what's going to happen to their bodies we're in New Zealand we've actually got choices around what happens what procedures happen and um, so I want to educate and support in those ways and also I think you know you mentioned about you know men go through it as well and they get left out of the process um, but I mean they've definitely played a part in making that happen so like where do they fit into that how do they get supported how it all becomes about the woman at, at that point um, and so it should it, to a certain extent, but also how do men support and how are they supported? So I guess it, it is really going to broaden our conversation. Like it's been something that's swept under the rug and there's going to be people come out from the woodwork, I think, from this. And, and I really apologise to anyone if this is triggering. And, and like, But I, I think that there... There might be now some space for those feelings to be acknowledged, I think, as well, and, and worked through. So 
yes, like the, the feelings that you have might be bad and they might not be. Um, but I think the reason that it, it does irk some reaction is is because of the severity and also how it's been handled in the past. And so, you know, you've, you've got to really acknowledge everyone in this type, type of thing, don't you? Yeah, um, you do. And it's, it's really interesting because, yeah, you're right. It does. It stirs up different emotions in everybody. And even I've got a friend who is vegan, who is a strong feminist, um, but she would never support, well, she supports women's choices, but she would never do it herself. She would never have an abortion because she believes in the value of life, right? Like mm-hmm. with vegan choosing not to eat any kind of animals or, you know, so she wouldn't then abort a child because that aligns with those values. Um, and then there's the religion, like different religious views around it. Um, So I think it almost goes back to the empathy that you and I were talking about of just, you just don't know what's going on for somebody or what their beliefs are or why they would want to make different choices for themselves. And everybody has got a right to, yeah, choose, choose what they bring into the world, whether that's, you know, what they're, um, what they're contributing as a job or what they contribute from their body. You know, it's, it's, it's really is, I think a very personal thing. Mm. I guess, I guess lots of these things are sort of um, bringing about autonomy in, our, in ourselves. And, and it's one of the things when you look at sexuality is that it seems very oppressive and, and get in line and, and um, sexuality is so indiv- individualistic and, um, and that's, that's not to say that, you know, joint, uh, what's, what's the sort of terms that, like going along as a community and a we is bad, but I was listening to something the other day that we, we're trying to find this balance between we and capitalist, you know, end of one spectrum and, you know, extreme socialist, everyone's, you know, nothing. And, and, and we're just part of, of, the, of the mass of the being, you know, and... You know, often it's about control and, and the various levers that we use to, to pull. But now with information so broadly open, and like you said, now we've got the ends of the spectrum of, of porn and, you know, then your podcast, if, if you want to put it that way. Um, we're, it's, it's like a, a new renaissance of, of sex, isn't it? <laughs> like 60s probably was the last time. Or maybe yeah, maybe ninety six in the city in free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of it's almost like fashion, like it goes in full roundabouts. I mean, you think about the Greeks, man, yeah. they were wild, like they were having sex for breakfast, like every day, you know, and they were having sex with the same sex, and they were, I mean, doing some bad things as well. But you know, like. It's, it's so interesting because I feel like it's been so out of kilter sexually, like for, for, for the sexes, you know, men were allowed to sort of be in power around that. And then I think women have sort of come up and, and, and re- had a bit of a reclamation of themselves and their bodies. And it's almost, and then there's been sort of this Me Too movement, you know, about consent and what's right and what's not. But then I think it's almost like we're going too far over the edge, like, these young women that I'm seeing, it's not a healthy grounded sexuality where they are really, you know, 
um, coming from a healthy place. And so I feel like we're getting to that point where hopefully now we sort of even out, we come back to the healthiness. And what and do you think? What do you think health, healthy is? Are you able to embellish that a little bit more? Oh God. I mean, I guess, you know, one of my missions is about taking the taboo out of it. And so yeah. educating and bringing healthy. So when I say healthy sexuality, I'm talking about, pleasure and things that feel good and things that are legal <laughs> and um and and just normalizing it whereas i think because of this taboo it has turned a lot of people underground and has almost created this whole community and um the shadow side of sex you know and i mean that's i mean and because people don't talk about a lot of the, the the downsides to to sexual abuse well i mean sexual abuse is just fucking horrific anyways but people don't talk about it within families they don't out predators um people don't feel safe to speak their truth about what's happened that i think yeah i think because it's been taboo those things have been able to be yeah things have gotten I don't know, people have gotten away with too much for too long. And so by shining a light on sexuality and teaching people what is healthy, which I guess is so big as well, I don't even know how to fully, I guess, answer your question around that. Um, but all I can say is it is individualistic and it is about being grounded in and knowing what feels right in your body. So boundaries and consent, which is also another thing that we don't get taught about. We don't get taught it somatically to know how that actually feels, what an absolute full body yes feels like and what a full body no feels like. Because we get conditioned even from so young, like, oh, go and hug Uncle Tim. He's given you a present. And you're like, I don't want to hug Uncle Tim. Go and hug Uncle Tim. He's given you a present. And so that child doesn't want to do that. They feel a no in their body, but their parent is telling them that they need to go and touch and be held by another human. So, I mean, what kind of a message is that, that that little human has to then take into the world? Mm. God, it's so big. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, the hugging thing's strange, isn't it? That's something that, yeah, uh, even even with my daughter, it's like um, cha changing the language from "Can can I have a hug?" when I'm going going for wine, say, "I want to give you a hug," and you know, does she want to give me a hug? But well, then that that's fine, depending how she feels, <laughs> you know. And that's 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 a again a, something that you just never would have would have thought about um, for probably five years ago. I don't know. <laughs> totally but do you find as you learn more that you implement those kind of different things with your daughter yeah absolutely like it's it's one of those one of those things that you just it's not in your consciousness and you and you so when you're when you're unconscious you're just doing things on autopilot and so you just do need those little, little switches like you said about about me too there like mm. you know there's probably pl plenty of us guys out there that have thought oh shit you know plenty of our, our decisions overstepped the mark or we, or we read the situation wrong and it you know for many of us it would blow up you know those those that know me personally know that i had a situation at uni that, that blew up and and it was you know it was dealt with and suffered the consequences of that but again it's like you you don't have the education you don't have the skills the understanding the like you say those real firm boundaries of of 
and that's what I think has been really, really positive about Me Too is that it, it's it's snapped the unconscious out of everyone to go, how how did I act then? What was I doing? What was influencing me in those situations? And so now moving forward, you you can be sure of your own boundaries and acknowledge those of, of others, I guess, is, is what that's teaching us, I think, is from my perspective. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I think there's, it's been interesting to watch because some men who haven't really gotten on board with that, I've seen them sort of say things general out in the world, like, well, I don't even know how to be with women now. I don't even know how to a approach a woman without upsetting her or crossing the bar. And it's like, dude like get a reality check here it's all about communication that's what consent is you know yeah. and if it's not verbal communication you've had to have some form of verbal communication to decide that you don't need verbal communication to still have communication and give consent that way so yeah. it always comes back to clear communication yeah and uh, you know that's exactly the bill bird joke you know that People people take offence with with the likes of that Bill Burr joke about like the no is always no thing and he's and he's joking and I, and I guess again that's another and that's what comedy is doing is creating this sort of um, way to laugh at yourself and your own mistake. I, I think I think that's the real intention of a lot of comedy. That's sort of like oh that's you know I'm offended by that. Well, actually you know, they're actually educating someone by a different angle. I think. Well, that's, again, that's my opinion, and <laughs> you know, some people don't have to don't have to share that opinion either. Yeah, I don't know that joke that you're specifically talking oh, about. It's on it's on Paper Tiger, um, it's, it's which is on Netflix. Very, very funny, and he's just yeah, he's just going on. But he actually gets in the special, he gets heckled, and and uh, when he's trying to tee up this joke and. And he included it in the special. It's, it's quite quite funny. Um, and yeah, then he had, had had a lot of kickback from it, which Bill Burr gets kickback all the time. Even even President Trump goes after him. <laughs> Look, I think anything that is going to like start a conversation, open up a conversation about things, is great. Yeah, you know. And, and everybody is entitled to an opinion. I mean, some people's is fucked up and some are wrong, but some other people will have opinions and it's a good starting place, you know, for people to learn and hear different things and, and feel like that doesn't feel right in my body hearing them making a joke yeah. about that. But it's like, let's get curious about that feeling. What is that about? What do you believe? So yeah. it's good. Yeah, and, and like <clears throat> that was the same with the Nikki Glatzer podcast that I sent you. You know, that was sort of two hours of her talking about porn and where she's at with porn and how she enjoys watching it, but it feels like bad for the people that she's watching. And it was just like, and it was short, shortly after you, you'd shared about that, the Tinder defense and how, you know, that upset you. And I was like, well, we have actually, like, if that's what's stemming these sort of actions um, in terms of, you can't call them relationships, but interactions, I guess, um, yet here's, here's someone that's uh, openly dialoguing their moral contradiction with, with this industry. It was just, it was like two hours of, it was confronting, but it was at the same time, like, <laughs> like, like you say, it opens up the thought patterns. And like, you know, I hope no one's out there saying shut down Nikki Glatzer, 
but at the same time you can you can you can see that that a conversation like that you know again going back to the it's also taboo means that you know she might suffer from, from what she said in those two hours well totally but also you know she's giving other people permission to talk openly about their their experiences with porn as well and anything that people can see you know representation is important and at least she's exploring the dark side as well you know mm. and she's sharing all her ins and outs of how she's feeling and the experiences of it and i think that's the thing some people they wouldn't share they'll just say oh yeah i watched porn but you know lots of people do feel guilty about it or um yeah there's so many things that go into porn i mean i i remember as soon as i turned 16 was it 16 going to the video store how old would i have been 18, 18. would i have been 18 yeah, yeah. <laughs> to hire porn yeah as soon as i hired porn me and my friend nikki we went in and went into the the back room you know that had the curtain <laughs> it was all that fed into the excitement was the the hidingness of everything and i think it was alien porn it was really <laughs> weird <laughs> no it's, just, it's funny you talk about talk about the back room and you know I don't know if this was a positive or a negative um influence on my life but I remember um on a, my first national swimming trip I think I was well, I was fourth form so I must have been 14 or 15 and that was myself and, and another girl we had to go and go walk into the behind the curtain and get kicked out of there you know and, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know if that was positive or negative or, or indifferent in, in your in your sexual development, but you're the sort of things that you like look back on and like you know the FHMs and the Ralph magazines. You're like, and that, that was what I was, I was gonna gonna say to you. This is probably my growing up a really really confusing thing looking back, in that um, a lot of the sexual education I got was from Cosmopolitan, from friends that were reading Cosmopolitan. Now, what a confusing message that is, that you're reading the magazine from the girl you like about the things that she should be doing. Look <laughs> how bizarre. <laughs> and you're, and you're like 15 or 16. <laughs> Cosmopolitan has actually got a lot to answer for, I've got to be honest, about for our generation. Yeah. Um, in, in Ralph. The... Did you reckon? I what did you say? What, I didn't think their advice was good. It was <laughs> terrible. And I think that at that time it was very much like, um, I don't know, it was, it was a different time I think as well. It was like women weren't really empowered. Consent wasn't a big thing, as big as it is now. Yeah, no, I, 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 looking retrospectively, I think like, man, that's, that was a confusing setup. Like, Ralph, Ralph and FHM would just have like obviously the bikini clad bits and then there'd be one article that would be like a confessions part and then the odd letter you know there was there was nothing educational or, or authentic it gave it gave you a, a wrong perspective of a woman sure but then you so then I remember being on swimming trips and then grabbing the, the you know all us guys would grab the cosmos off the girls because they had like more juicy stuff in there <laughs> all the advice was really like game playing and this is how you get him to like you and, and and roll your top down when you walk past and you know do a wink or I don't know all these kind of unhealthy situational things instead of like real honest connect connecting as humans 
yeah it was it was almost like it was instilling manipulation eh? <laughs> totally yes reinforcing manipulation <laughs> no it, it, it's um yeah that's pretty confusing that was yeah that was something i thought of the other day when when i knew that we were going to have a chat i was like i wonder what you reckon of, of the cosmo day i wonder if it's is it still around <laughs> Yeah, Cosmopolitan's still around. Uh, you know, there was like the Girlfriend magazine and stuff, and then had to do like a sealed section, yes. the After Dark, you know, or see, see how much like sex is shamed, you know, and hidden. Everything has to be hidden. And, you know, even I was doing on my Instagram the other day, talking, I did the 12 Days of Pleasure. Yeah. And then I had that realization about guilty pleasures and how the whole marketing world uses guilty pleasures as this way to make us feel like we need that and but it's a secret and it's we should feel guilty about having pleasure and really all it's doing is still in, in like reinforcing this belief that pleasure is bad mm. yeah but right. nobody really makes the link that guilty <laughs> pleasures <laughs> just yeah so, so you brought up your, your 12 days of pleasure and of course you had the the pleasure of the different kind of being locked down for more time out there in auckland um <laughs> What was the sort of response to every day getting an Instagram, you know, um, peek behind the, cur the curtain of, of a sexologist? What was the response like? Yeah, people were into it. Um, <laughs> they, weren't, they, weren't, they had nothing else to do, eh? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I thought it would be good. And obviously because, you know, I, I do work with the nervous system, I thought this was a really good chance that if people were a bit more, you know, in their fight or flight um, sort of system that I thought that they could downregulate and chill out a little bit. So pleasure is a good way. And, and I, I, I really fly the flag of embodiment and to feel pleasure you have to be in your body and to be really feeling and people were really into it and um got some great feedback got some interesting pictures from people unsolicited uh thank you very much um i got invited to join a couple to make it 13 days of pleasure with them <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just think um, I, I, I have clear boundaries, but I can't um, judge people for reaching out because I have created a safe, open container for exploring sexuality and, and trying different things and being brave and having different kind of conversations. No, it's, um, it's awesome. You're, you should be very proud. And um, I think it takes gigantic courage, like uh, my heart rate, is way down now. I'm, I'm feeling good and good, good and relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased. Yeah. No. So, um, which is which is great, and 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 hopefully, you know, as I said at the start, this is reaching eighty percent men. Hopefully, it's you know, planting a few seeds, starting a few conversations. Um, you know, all those all those people that uh, are in relationships that it's sort of opening up, opening up a container. Um. I thought one of one of the best um, sort of what to show up for you in your life answers I got was from Curran Island from the Educated Hunter. And, you know, we were having a whole hour conversation about hunting. And then he finished off with uh, learning your love languages. And I thought, I, I, love, I love moments like that, that just, you know, can, can sneak in uh, another piece of information. So hopefully we've got all these, these guys in New Zealand out there to show up to this conversation and I've hung in there. And if you have hung in there, bloody awesome, and 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 learnt a lot. So, what's happening for you right now, and and into the future, Morgan? 
Um, well, I'm, I'm still studying. I'm doing extra studying on top of just being a sexologist. Um, like I said, the abortion training and vaginismus. Um, <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like Christmas for yes, the Yes, I was thinking it sounds like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. Um, that's painful sex. So I'm learning how to um, work somatically uh, th through overcoming that. And um, I've got a book offer on the table to, okay. to write a book and maybe maybe a TV show. Um, yeah, and we are, me and Sharon are working on season two of the podcast. So it's all very exciting. We just, we'll just see what happens as long as I can be out in the world spreading the sex positive message. I am happy. And where is the podcast? Is it just Rover or elsewhere as well? No, it's um, on Apple and iTunes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and what's it under? Come on. <laughs> oh, the trainee sexologist. And okay, I will, I will tell you what the new name is for season two, shall I? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, okay, there's not a huge difference. It's called the trained with uh, a big D. Like, I love the D. Yeah. <laughs> Was there a big meeting about this name, by the way? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to fight for the D. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, um, so people can, has the Instagram name changed as well then? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. So watch out, watch out for the, that name. But they can find you at Morgan underscore pen, right? That's right. Yeah. And I'm sharing a lot of stuff on there. And also I haven't got my website sorted yet, but you can send me a direct message if you'd be keen to work with me. Cool. And I'm sure um, it'll just be there in your bio when it's ready. Hey. The what? Your, we got some feedback there. Um, I said your website will just be there in your bio when it's ready. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I've got my um my logo done, and it's a vulva, like as oh. the rising sun. <laughs> <laughs> Vulvas are everywhere. Everyone's going to be well. First, some people might need to Google what a vulva is, but then they're going to be seeing vulvas everywhere. <laughs> yes. yes, this excites me. Yeah. Nice. So. Um, it probably is just vulvas, but uh, what, what's something that continually shows up in your life that when things are going well, it's there, and, or something that never does you wrong? It can be a quote, the way you live your life by, um, a saying, um, just a behaviour. Yeah, what's, what's something that really always shows up and does you, does you well? Ah, so it's, for me, puheke, which is flow. So it's nice. about the ease of life. And that's where it feels good. And you know that that's exactly where you're meant to be. And everything just works out really well. So when I'm in the state of like, or not feeling good or scattered in my tummy, I look for the root again. I can't <laughs> believe, let me say that. <laughs> the root of the flow, you know, I, I become like the river. I go back to nature. I find, I find my flow. Nice. And um, yeah. Plenty of videos of you standing on the shoreline and, and getting in that flow. It's, it's awesome. Morgan, this has been fantastic. As I said at the start, I was petrified. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad we've probably cut down some of the taboo around all this because, um, yeah, this is a hugely empowering uh, conversation. And thank you so much for all, all that you do. And, and I encourage people to go check out your podcast, even if they just go and get a taster with Jay Reeve because uh, that's, that's a good entrance point. <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for showing up in your vulnerability and your accelerated heart rate. It was a real pleasure talking to you. No, awesome. Thanks. I'm going to press pause. Stay there. Oh, yeah. A bit of flow. That was actually sometimes how I frame that question, isn't it? When you're in flow. Um, I love it. I've done some, some yoga. Obviously, I mentioned the breath work. That's around getting in, in flow. Um, massive fan of shapeshifter songs whenever they're talking about flow like river down to the sea. I was um, definitely out there on the weekend in the car workers, especially walking up the McKenna River, feeling that ice-cold mountain water. Um, it was absolutely awesome. The flow of the wind through the trees, although on the Sunday it got a bit, get a bit um, too strong. But yeah, there, there's, there's something about flow and doing 20, nearly 25 k's through the hills running, there was some flow state going. Um, it is a thing of beauty and <laughs> I, loved, I loved the variable of, of uh, how she described, which is not in flow, that sound, you know, and, and it goes back to what we were, we were talking about earlier on about clenching, you know. Um, that's not in flow. That's a, that's a real somatic indicator that what you're doing's not so great. Um, semi-final times often called squeaky bum time, <laughs> um, or or those you know those last ten minutes in a football or rugby match. You know that's that's squeaky bum time, particularly if the scores are close. And when you're in flow, you're breathing. You're looking like Dan Carter receiving that ball in the pocket and and nailing the drop goal. That that was flow. Oh, what a moment. Um, yeah flow state look into it enjoy it embrace it practice it oh yeah massive um of course i'm bringing the podcast with the help of waikito w-a-i-k-e-t zero dot prove it now dot com for exogenous ketones yes bring them on they um super super tool for keeping that flow of energy <laughs> see what i did there um or else helping you to get through the flow of a fast they give you a little with the 60 hour reboot they give you a little benchmarks little little time frames to work through with the two ketones salts a day the keto broth and the keto teas and then their keto protein to help you get out of it and also the signal always dna repair to help you fall into sleep and as it suggests uh, do some dna repair Check it out on the website, waiket0.pruvitnow.com. The link is in the show notes, as are Morgan's links and the links to the trainee sexologist. Check it out. Awesome stuff. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'd love to hear from you, and I'm sure Morgan would too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Stag Raw.